The following podcast is a live recording of a radio show first broadcast by Fresh FM with assistance from New Zealand On Air. Fresh FM is a community access media station based in Te Tauihu, the top of the South Island, New Zealand. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website, freshfm.net, for our contact details. Lift every voice and sing Till earth and heaven ring Ring with the harmony Of liberty Kia ora. Paul Marie, welcome to another episode of Lift Every Voice and Sing on Fresh FM, the little radio station that cares. It's a wild and woolly night in the wee Wakatu. I hope you're all in front of the fire with a warming beverage. This is the first show in a series that examines how folk music in the West became such a pillar of protest. We know that the Volk, the Volk song, can be a conservative force. A major contribution of the Wandervogel was the revival of folk songs in the wider German society, while at the same time, this youth movement was encouraged by the German fascists in the 1930s. So why has folk music become so strongly connected with left-wing protest in the USA and other Western, uh, how shall I say it, uh, supposed democracies. Well, protest song created by the Volk has been around since Eve sang her siren song to poor old Adam. And he responded, yeah, let's do it. Let's break the law. Way back in old times, long years before the war, on the apple tree Eve she did climb. She threw down the core that made her feel sore for Adam, her husband, to chalk. And ever since then, all manner of men, the blind and the lame and the mute, the bankers and clerks, politicians and Turks, drank a juice of that forbidden fruit. leader has time, from his chair he will climb, and the others will all follow suit. Walk out to the barn, not for the cigar, but the juice of that forbidden fruit. And ever since in all manner of men, the blind and the lame and the mute, the bankers and clerks, politicians and Turks, Drank a juice of that forbidden fruit There was Jordan Bob Ford Drank it out of a court In order just to suit Frank James out on bail Drank it out of a pail A juice of that forbidden fruit And ever since then All manner of men The blind and the lame and the mute 
The bankers and Turks, politicians and Turks, drank a juice of it, forbidden fruit. There's my girl, Siri, and she'll take down her camp whenever we have a dispute. And when we make up together, we'll sup the juice of that forbidden fruit. Ever since then, all manner of man, the blind and the lame and the mute, the bankers and clerks, politicians and Turks, drank a juice of that forbidden fruit. The Juice of the Forbidden Fruit. That song was collected by Alan Lomax in 1941, sung by Neil Morris. Before we move into the songs, what do we mean by folk music? The Encyclopedia Britannica defines it as a type of traditional and generally rural music that originally was passed down through families and other small social groups. Typically, folk music, like folk uh, literature, lives in the oral tradition. It is learned through hearing rather than reading. That learned book also makes the point that folk music is functional in the sense that it is associated with other activities. For example, prison work songs. I'll be so glad when, oh, when, when the sun go down. When the sun go down. I'll be so glad when, oh, when the sun go down. When the sun go down. I ain't all that sleepy, but uh-huh. I wanna lie down. I wanna lie down. I ain't all that sleepy, but uh-huh. I wanna lie down. I wanna lie down. I wanna lie down. Baby, I wanna lie down. I ain't all that sleepy, but I wanna lie down. Oh, what's got the matter, baby? Yeah, I can't see. Oh, what's got the matter, baby? Yeah, I can't see. No deciding that the driver's boat is down on me. No deciding that the driver's boat is down on me. Just chop your corner like I chop mine. Just chop your corner like like I chop mine. Well, you won't be worried when when the sun go down. When the sun go down, you'll never be worried when when the sun go down. When the sun go down, I go out of my Lord, yeah. Trouble you uh-huh. won't write to me. Won't write to me. I'm in a world of trouble. You uh-huh. won't write to me. Won't write to me. 
You won't write to me, baby. You won't write to me. I'm in a world of trouble. You won't write to me. You know the kid is in the river turning. around and round. You know the kid is in the river turning. around and around. And the flywheel knocking out. Oh, Bama, Bama. You know the flywheel knocking out. Oh, Bama, Bama. You know the kid is left man for she had. One hundred million. You know the kid is left man for she had. One hundred million. He got the hung so sad and didn't. told a pilot fool that kitty was made he cried bitch but in Greenville gone gonna be her tree cried bitch but in Greenville gone gonna be her tree you know Arkansas City gonna be be the turn around he cried Arkansas City gonna be be the turn around You know the kitty and the Jim Lee had had a race one day. You know the kitty and the Jim Lee had they had a race one day. You know the kitty knocked water in in the Jim Lee's face. You know the kitty knocked water in oh Jim Lee's face. Oh Jim Lee's face. Oh, Jamalee's face. You know the kid in our water in the world. Oh, That was I'll Be So Glad When the Sun Goes Down, sung by Ed Young and Unidentified Prisoners on the album of the same name from Alan Lomax's Southern Journey, 1959 to 60. These first two songs were collected by Alan Lomax, the son of John Lomax, who was an early Texan folk song collector. These songs are our first taste of how important ethnomusicology will be to the rise of folk singing and its use in left-wing protest. Two approaches to ethnomusicological studies are common. Charles Seegers differentiated between the two approaches, describing the anthropology of music as studying the way that music is part of culture and social life, while musical anthropology studies social life as a performance, examining the way music is part of the very construction and interpretation of social and conceptual relationships and processes. We will have a full show devoted to the early practitioners of ethnomusicology, Charles Seeger and his folk singing progeny, Mike, Pete, and Peggy, 
and the Lomaxes, John Sr., John Jr., Alan, and Beth. So we're going to have um, something a little bit different. I'd like to say hello to my Brooklynite girls, Evangeline, Iris, and Una, listening in from the warmth of their fire. There's a man going round taking name. There's a man going round taking name. And he took my mother's name. And he leaves my heart in pain. There's a man going round taking name. There's a man going round taking name. There's a man going round taking name. And he took my father's name And he leave my heart in pain There's a man gone run Taking name And brother and sister and aunt and uncle The man gone run taking name You get them all It's God's own census taker Yeah, God's own census taker that was Carl Sandburg singing Man Going Round from his Songs of America record. Sandburg is better known for his poetry, and my mother loved his poem, Fog. The fog comes on little cat feet. It sits looking over the harbor and city on silent haunches and then moves on. He published one of the first written collections of American folk music in 1927, entitled The American Song Bag, and included 280 folk songs, many of them printed for the first time. Man Goin' Round was from the 1999 lyric disc release more than 30 years after Sandberg's death of the great Carl Sandberg Songs of America, an album containing 17 selections from American Song Bag. Recorded in the 1950s and remastered for release, it is one of the few recordings available of Sandberg singing. He heard Man Going Round in South Carolina, and the subject was The Great Enumerator. It was sung by a house domestic named Rebecca. Lead Belly's version is probably the most famous, but other versions have been politicized, so are no longer referring to death in the great enumerator, but refer to the 50s anti-communist trials. Now let's listen again to a field recording of Sometimes I Feel Like a Motherless Child, made between 1933 and 1943, by, um, of Annie Mae Jefferson. Annie Mae Jefferson was born in 1919. In the 1940 census, she was 21 years old and lived in Humphreys, Mississippi, with a mother and two brothers.
Sometimes I feel like a motherless child Sometimes I feel like a motherless child Sometimes I feel like a motherless child Long way Sometimes I feel like a motherless child, yeah. Sometimes I feel like a motherless child. Sometimes I feel 
I feel. Paul Robeson's recording of Sometimes I Feel Like a Motherless Child was backed by On My Journey, and it was put out in 1926 on a Victor 78 of what you might call shellac. Robeson's name means very little to you pups. I know that. Yet in 1964, a journalist described him fairly uncontroversially as the best-known American in the world. The son of an escaped slave, Paul Robeson graduated Phi Beta Beta Kappa on a scholarship from Rutgers before studying law at Columbia University. He was arguably the greatest footballer of his generation, some say of all time, He played basketball professionally and was seriously tipped as a heavyweight contender to fight Jack Dempsey. He was handsome and impossibly charismatic, a spellbinding, prize-winning orator who could sing in over 20 languages, including Russian, Chinese, Yiddish, and a number of African tongues. Robeson launched his vocal career in the mid-1920s with reinterpretations of spirituals, the sorrow songs of the American plantations. The spirituals expressed the misery of slavery through biblical themes, but their innate ambiguity also allowed Robeson to voice the preoccupations of the Harlem Renaissance. The exquisite Sometimes I feel like a motherless child emerged out of the familial separations of slavery. Robeson's rendition, however, also spoke to the experience of the Great Migration, the process in which African Americans left their homes in the South to flee North for jobs and to escape racist violence. Critics urged him to embrace a traditional operatic or classical repertoire, but his deepening political commitments led him to identify as a folk singer, assiduously learning languages to perform the songs in different cultures in their original form. The artist must take sides, he said. He must elect to fight for freedom or for slavery. I have made my choice. I had no alternative. 
My gut feeling is that Paul Robeson's singing of both spirituals and folk songs combined with his gradual radicalization, his support of the Russian Revolution and the Communist Party, and his outspoken anti-racist stance contributed a great deal to the leftward shift of the folk song world and its public acceptance. His strength and bravery in the face of racism and the anti-communist witch hunts of the McCarthy era will be explored in a subsequent show or two. We ended that three-play with Jasmine Sullivan's version of Sometimes I Feel Like a Motherless Child from Baz Luhrmann's 2022 film Elvis. That brings us up to date. And I think kind of full circle. Her version was more like... uh, uh, the Jefferson May Jeff- Jefferson version than it was like um, Paul Robeson's. Okay, so the stock market crash in 1929 ignited the Great Depression. As the economy declined, the working class of America came face to face with what was likely the most difficult time of their lives. The Communist Party of the United States the CPUSA, was quick to comment on the event in their 1930 pamphlet, Why Every Worker Should Join the Communist Party. In New York City, the 1930s saw an explosion of artistic activity through the growth of literary John Reed clubs, workers' theaters, and in music, the Composers Collective and the Pierre Degaterre Club. These musical organizations can trace their roots ultimately back to the Communist Party of the United States and then to the Comintern, the Communist International. They worked together with the goal of creating a distinctly proletarian music, which arguably culminated in the 1934 and 1935 releases of two workers' songbooks. Together, these songbooks serve as examples of the organization's attempts to create proletarian music. Charles Seeger, the ethnomusicologist, described proletarian music as a social force, and he and other members of the Composers Collective of New York published those two workers' songbooks. Charles Seeger had several of his songs included in the books under the name Carl Sands. An explosion of technological improvements in mass production in the 1930s made the use of music as propaganda more possible than ever before. In 1926, 18% of homes had a radio, but by 1931, over half of homes possessed a set. And by 1935, when the second worker's songbook was published, over 67% had radio in their homes, and nearly 9% had one in their car. One of the first ever mainstream protest songs released on a major label was performed by Aunt Molly Jackson, a a union organizer in Kentucky. Her song, Ragged Hungry Blues, which, as I've called this um, episode, Ragged Hungry Blues, was released on Columbia Records in 1932. And while it was her only professionally released recording, many of her songs have been preserved by the Library of Congress. Jackson was in New York City at the time of the recording to meet with musicologist Charles Seeger, who was working with the Composers Collective, um, who were busy composing music for the workers and members of the political left. 
Seeger, like most of his collective confairs, possessed classical training and wrote in a classical form. Jackson, a self-taught musician, firmly in the folk tradition, sang her protest songs at a meeting of the collective, and Seeger realized his elevating approach would not be effective for the common worker. Friends and comrades, I've had some very interesting letters from Kentucky this morning, and I have so much on my mind I hardly know how to address you. And I will endeavor to sing to you my hungry, wearied blues that I composed when I was down there suffering with those people. And uh, now wait until I can strike a note of chord. I'm sad and weary. I've got the hungry, ragged I'm sad and weary I've got the hungry dragon Not a penny in the pocket To buy one thing I need to use I woke up this morning With the worst blues I ever had in my life I woke up this morning with the worst blues I ever had in my life. Not a bite to cook for breakfast, a poor coal miner's wife. When my husband works in the coal mine, he loads a car on every trip. When my husband worked in the coal mine, he loaded the car on Delvetrill. Then he got to the office that evening to get denied of Just because he took all he made that day to pay his money expense. Just because it took all it made that day To pay us money expense A man that will work for just coal, light, and carbide He ain't got a speck of sand And Molly Jackson was discovered in November 1931 by the Dreiser Committee investigating the Harlan County War and workers' living conditions when she spoke and sang her song, Ragged Hungry Blues, in front of the committee. (coughs) Excuse me. In December 1931, Jackson traveled to New York City to support and raise money for striking striking Harlan coal miners, at one point appearing before an estimated crowd of 21,000 at the Bronx Coliseum. Jackson made a recording debut on December 10, 1931. For the next year, she performed in various cities in the North. She stayed in New York for much of that decade and was part of the Greenwich Greenwich Village Folk Revival, singing for for Alan Lomax, at the Library of Congress and influencing folk singers 
from Woody Guthrie to Pete Seeger. The Harlan County War, or Bloody Harlan, was a series of coal mining-related skirmishes, executions, bombings, and strikes, both attempted and realized, that took place in Harlan County, Kentucky. During the 1930s, the incidents involved coal miners and union organizers on one side and coal firms and law enforcement officials on the other. The question at hand, the rights of Harlan County coal miners to organize their workplaces and better their wages and working conditions. It was a nearly decade-long conflict lasting from 1931 to 39. Songwriter Florence Reese reported, Sergeant J.H. Blair and men came to our house in search of Sam. That's my husband. He was one of the union leaders. I was home with our seven children. They ransacked the whole house and then kept walk watch outside waiting to shoot Sam down when he came back, but he didn't come home that night. Afterwards, I tore a sheet from a calendar on the wall and wrote the words to Which Side Are You On to an old Baptist hymn, Lay the Lily Low. My songs always go to the underdog, to the worker. I am one of them, and I feel like I've got to be with them. There's no such thing as neutral. You have to be on one side or the other. Some people say, I don't take sides. I am neutral. There's no such thing in your mind. In your mind, you're on one side or the other. In Harlan County, there wasn't no neutral. If you wasn't a gun thug, you was a union man. You had to be. You just had to be. Come all you poor workers, good news to you, I'll tell how the good old union has come in here to dwell. Which side are you on? Which side are you on? We're starting our good battle. We know we're sure to win. Because we've got the gun thugs a looking very thin. Which side are you on? Which side are you on? If you go to Harlan County, there is no neutral air. You'll either be a union man or a thug for J.H. Blair. Which side are you on? Which side are you Come all of you good workers, good news to you I'll tell Of how the good old union has come in here to dwell Which side are you on? Which side are you on? My daddy was a miner and I'm a miner's son And I'll stick with the union till every battle's won which side are you on? Which side are you on? They say in Harlan County there are no neutrals there. You'll either be a union man or a thug for J.H. Blair. Which side are you on? Which side are you on? Oh, workers you stand it or oh, tell me how you can will you be a lousy scab or will you be a man which side are you on which side are you on 
Don't scab for the bosses, don't listen to their lies. Us poor folks haven't got a chance unless we organize. Which side are you on? 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 Well, which side are you on? Uh... Come and join us at a community planting day on the Waimea Inlet in 2022. The next planting days are Sunday the 10th of June, 9 to 1 at the Orchard uh, Road Reserve, the 17th of July at Bronte uh, Peninsula, and Sunday the 24th of July, Rabbit Island Ferry Landing, and you get a free ferry from Mapua Wharf. And the final uh, planting in July is on the 31st. They're all 9 to 1, except uh, the one at Rabbit Island, which is 10 to 2. And the last one on the 31st of July is at Rabbit, uh, is at the Hutty Estuary Park. So get out there and do some planting for the uh, abandoned rail. And thanks to our generous anonymous donor um, for making this show possible. Florence Reese was the daughter and wife of coal miners. She is best known for the song, Which Side Are You On? According to folklorist Alan Lomax, who collected it from her in 1937, she wrote the song in 1912 as a 12-year-old when her father was out on strike and then updated it in 1931 during the Harlan County War strike by the United Mine Workers of America and the National Miners Union, in which her husband Sam Reese was an organizer. He died of miner's lung, uh, the black lung, which was the miner's disease. The Almac singers, which supported her there, were an American New York City-based folk music group active between 1940 and 1943, founded by Millard Lampell, Lee Hayes, Pete Seeger, and Woody Guthrie. The group specialized in topical songs, mostly songs advocating initially an anti-war um, uh, stance, also anti-racism and pro-union philosophy. Performers who sang with the group at various times included Sis Cunningham, John Peter Hawes, and his brother Baldwin Butch Hawes, and uh, then next uh, Bess Lomax Hawes, um, and who was the sister of Alan Lomax, Cisco Houston, um, Arthur Stern, Josh White, uh, Burl Ives, um, and Sam Gary. Aunt Molly Jackson was joined in New York by her younger half-brother Jim Garland and his sister Sarah Ogden uh, Gunning, both folk singers. Garland came to New York City in 1931 um, and was later followed by sister, his sister Sarah when he, where he participated in the, new, the Greenwich Village folk music scene. Two of his best-known songs are The Death of Harry Sims and I Don't Want Your Millions, Mr. Jackson uh, was jealous of the attention paid to her brother Jim Garland and sister Sarah. Upon their arrival in the city, Aunt Molly um, claimed authorship of her sisters of her sibling songs, like "The Death of Harry Sims." And initially, I had her version, but when I did a bit more research, I've used Jim's. Through contact she made while living in New York, Sarah Ogden had a dozen of her songs recorded by Alan Lomax in 1937. The Ballad of Harry Sims, words by Harry Allen um, P- 
Potikamen and music by Lon Adamian was in the second 1935 Worker's Songbook and was about young Communist League organizer um, Harry Sims, who was shot near Brush Creek in Knox County, Kentucky, by a sheriff's deputy who also worked um, as a mine guard for the local coal company. So let's listen to the death of Harry Sims. I made this song about a boy who lived in my house. He started organizing working people in the unions at 16. He was born and raised in Springfield, Massachusetts. He led an unemployed demonstration when he was 16 in Springfield. Later he went to Birmingham, Alabama and worked amongst the white and black workers there, organizing for better conditions. When we had our trouble in Kentucky, he came up to Kentucky to help the mine strike. And I got acquainted with him, and he helped the first successful youth conference in the South. He was a friend. He got killed. I made this song about him. I hope you like it. Comrades, listen to my story. Workers, listen to my song. I'll tell you of a hero who's now dead and gone. I'll tell you of a worker whose age was just 19. He was the strongest union man that I have ever seen. Harry Sims, he was a pal of mine. We labored side by side, expecting to be shot on side or taken for a ride by the dirty capitalist gun thug to roam from town to town to shoot and kill our comrades wherever they may be found. Harry Sims and I was parted at five o'clock that day. Be careful, my dear comrade, to Harry I did say, I must do my duty, was his reply to me. If I get killed by the gun plugs, please don't grieve over me. Just remain a faithful worker, your comrade to be wise. Remain a faithful worker, your comrade to be wise. Help destroy this rotten system, don't fail to organize. He was walking up the railroad track one bright sunshiny day. He was young and handsome, and his step was light and gay. We did not know the gun thugs was awaiting on the way to take our young comrade's life this bright sunshiny day. Harry Sim was killed on Brush Creek in 1932. He organized the miners in the good old MU. He fought for the Union, that's all that he could do. He died for the Union, also for me and you. Now, comrades, we must fail today, that one thing we must do. 
We'll organize all the miners in the good old NMU. We'll get a million volunteers for the YCL and sink this rotten system in the deepest pits of hell. Oh, you're going to be surprised, baby man. Oh, you're going to be surprised, baby man. Oh, you're going to be surprised, for I'm going to organize. Yes, I'm going around this world, baby man. Oh, I'm going to write you a letter, baby man. Oh, I'm going to write you a letter, baby man. Oh, I'm going to write you a letter when the living gets better. But I'm going to organize, baby man. See the workers, children, and wives, baby man. See the workers, children, and wives, baby man. See the workers, children, and wives. I'm compelled to save their lives, so I'm going to organize, baby man. Oh, I love the union men, baby man. Oh, I love the union men, baby man. Oh, I love the union men. The way they're treated is a sin, so I'm gonna get organized, baby man. home in the morning we kiss our children goodbye while we slave for the buses our children scream and cry and when we draw our money our grocery bills to pay not a cent to spend for clothing not a cent to lay away and on that very evening Buses do not care, but understand all workers, our union they do fear. Let's stand together, workers, and have a union here. Now listen to me, workers, both women and men. We are sure to win our union if all would enter in. I hope this will be a warning. I hope you will understand and help us win our victory and lend to us a hand. Yes, help us win our victory and lend to us your hand. Well, we had The Death of Harry Sims, sung by Jim Garland, 
from Harlan County, USA, Songs of the Coal Miner's Struggle. That was followed by his sister, Sarah Ogden, gunning with I'm Going to Organize. Uh, that was from the album A Girl of Constant Sorrow. And then we ended with um, the Mill Mother song sung by Matt uh, Yvonne Moore and Matt Callahan from Working Class Heroes. Uh, in the um, eastern Kentucky coal fields, unionism or its lack was a creed people held and defended as fiercely as those of the religions, regions, charismatic religions. And the music of Sarah Ogden Gunning and her siblings produced between the 1930s and 60s was as steeped in unionism and communism as it was in the traditional uh, songs, ballads, and hymns of Appalachia. The siblings grew up on the strike lines with their coal miner father, union member Oliver Garland, who was also a preacher. Songs like Gunning's I'm Going to Organize, Baby Mine, helped to galvanize the miners and their wives. Um, uh, Sarah Ogden didn't start writing her own material until 1936, after Lead Belly chauffeured New York University folklorist Mary Elizabeth Barnacle up eastern Kentucky's dark, twisting mountain roads. They'd come to move Gunning and her three children to New York City. Barnacle had made her way to Gunning via Gunning's older half-sister, the firebrand radical singer Aunt Molly, which we've talked about, whom Theodore Dreiser brought to fame in 1931 um, when they traveled to Harlan County, a.k.a. Bloody Harlan. Dreiser had held um, hearings and reported back to the national press on the violence and hardship during the area's coal wars. He was as impressed by Jackson's and her half-brother Jim Garland's radicalism as he was by their singing. Communist sympathizers brought Jackson and then Garland and um, Gunning finally. But she sure could sing. Just ask Woody Guthrie, who described her voice as dry as my own, thin, high, and in her nose, with the old outdoors and down-the-mountain sound to it. Bloody Harlan contributed a lot to the left-wing protest movement. The next song that I played, the Mill Mother song, was written by Ella Mae Wiggins. Ella Mae Wiggins lost four children by the time she performed Mill Mother's Lament during the Loray Mill Strike in Gastonia, South Carolina, in the summer of 1929. She was only 28 years old, and she earned $9 for a 72-hour work week on the night shift at a nearby mill in September. During the strike, Ella led a group of unarmed workers to a rally. They encountered a roadblock comprised of the Committee of a Hundred, a secret group of local officials financed by the mill. Ella's caravan turned back. Then the truck carrying Ella was forced off the road, overturning in a field. Ella was shot. According to witnesses, her final words, My Lord, they have shot me. And so she died. Yes, another martyr for the labor cause. Let's give Aunt Molly Jackson another spin. I am a union woman. This is perhaps Aunt Molly's most famous song. The tune, originally that of a Baptist hymn, which Aunt Molly, in her most introspective moments, could be persuaded to swing, is known to many as that used by 
um, the other uh, song that we've played, Which Side Are You On? She said, when I was organizing the miners around Bell in Harlan counties in 19 and 31, I sang this song. I used it in all my organizational work. I always sang this song before giving my speech. The NMU that we've been hearing about is the National Miners Union, which replaced the ineffectual UMWU and was heavily, heavily communist in orientation. Here's Aunt Molly with I Am a Union Woman. So glad that you have come to see me. And I want you now to uh, to take down these true stories and have them probably when I'm laid to rest for this reason that it is my desire for younger people and younger generations to know how that I was interested in the little children having something to eat. I am a union woman, as brave as I can be. I do not like the bosses, and the bosses don't like me. Join the NMU, join the NMU. I was raised in old Kentucky, and Kentucky born and bred. And when I joined the union, they called me a Russian Red. Join the NMU, join the NMU. When my husband asked the boss for a job, these are the words he said. Bill Jackson, I can't work you, sir, your wife's a Russian red. Join the NMU, join the NMU. Well, this is the worst time on earth that I have ever saw. To get shot down by gun thugs and framed up by the law. Join the NMU, join the NMU. But we are many thousands strong, and I am glad to say We are getting stronger and stronger every day Join the NMU, join the NMU If you want to join a union as strong as one can be Join the dear old NMU and come along with me Join the NMU, join the NMU The bosses ride fine horses while we walk in the mud. Their banner is a dollar sign while ours is striped with blood. Join the NMU, join the NMU. Join the NMU, join the NMU. Yeah, join the NMU. I am a union woman, Aunt Molly Jackson and John Greenaway from the album The Songs and Stories of Aunt Molly Jackson. Okay, we're going to end tonight with Big Bill Brunzi. Big Bill uh, was an American blues singer, songwriter, and guitarist. His career began in the 1920s when he played country music to mostly African-American audiences. In the 1950s, a return to his traditional folk blues roots made him one of the leading figures of the emerging American folk music revival, and an international star. His long and varied career marks him as one of the key figures in the development of blues music in the 20th 
century. Thanks, everyone, for listening tonight. We'll be back in two weeks with further explorations into the rise of folk music in popular music and its left-wing stance, anti-fascist, fascist, anti-racist, anti-capitalist, and, of course, anti-war. Unless, that is, unless I can get those gorgeous Brooklyn girls to chip in with a show. Thanks to Marie and Jolie for listening and all the peeps um, making the vichy soirs at home to keep me, get me warm again. So, good night, everyone, and remember that I love you. This is Big Bill Brunzi with How Do I Get to Be Called a Man? When I was born into this world, this is what happened to me. I was never called a man, and now I'm 53. I wonder when. Yes, I wonder when. Yes, I wonder when will I get to be called a man, or do I have to wait till I get 93? When Uncle Sam called me, I knowed I'd be called a real McCoy. But it wasn't no different, they just called me Soldier Boy. I wonder when. Yes, I wonder when. I wonder when will I get to be called a man or do I have to wait till I get 93? When I got back from overseas That night we had a ball But I met the boss The very next day And he get you some overhauls I wonder when Yes, I wonder when I wonder when will I get to be called a man Or do I have to wait till I get 93 I've worked on farms, levy camps, and extra gang too. But a black man's a boy, I don't care what he can do, I wonder when. Yes, I wonder when. Wonder when will I get to be called a man, or do I have to wait till I get 93? I was called a plowboy on a farm and a soldier boy in Cow Hill. The podcast you just listened to was a live recording of a radio show, first broadcast on Fresh FM, the Top of the South's community access media station, with support from New Zealand On Air. The funding of Access Media makes these podcasts possible. To find similar programs by other community access media stations, go online to accessmedia.nz